This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's going on, y'all? It's your host, Will, coming back for a new episode, Field Note Fridays, powered by Yamaha. On today's episode, this is part three of our November rut series with Lee Lukoski. We've talked pre-rut, we've talked peak rut, and now we're going to be talking about what some of y'all might refer to as that second rut. Some people call it the waning rut, but it is just kind of that weird time in November that, you know, your bucks might have already been locked down on does once or twice or just once, and they're kind of in that weird in-between time that, you know, they, they're not quite sure what they're doing. They they might be finishing up the rut, but, you know, it just depends on where you are in the country. Some of y'all might just be now getting into the pre or peak rut. You know, it just depends on where you are. And then a lot of y'all, your rut is starting to wind down. So we're going to refer to kind of that waning wind down rut before, you know, just before we get into the post rut. And these deer are really heavily focused on food. And so we're going to get Lee on here pick his brain hopefully get some nuggets for y'all so y'all can apply it to what you're doing over the next week or two and go bag yourself a big buck and again y'all we just want to thank you for tuning in to hunt stand podcast really appreciate your support if you haven't yet make sure you have the hunt stand app downloaded upgrade to pro white till today you'll thank yourselves later i'm gonna quit rambling and here's our man lee well man you ready to get this thing started you bet all right well lee man welcome back we got you on here for this third part of this rut series that we're doing with you. So welcome back to the podcast, man. Well, great to be here. Great to be here, Will. Well, man, definitely glad to have you back and talk deer hunting as always. You know, down here in Texas and I'm sure up in your area, we finally had that cold front that moved in last week across most of the nation. We're finally seeing some some of those late fall, early winter conditions here in Texas. So, I mean, how have things been for you up there? same has been has been awesome i mean you knew it was going to be just with the moon phase and stuff at the early part of the rut and then uh you know the cold weather sets in i mean we got a little bit of lockdown and stuff here but still you know you get you have the right food sources and stuff and even just the last couple of days here in illinois 
you know, we've shot a couple and you know, they're locked down. You're not seeing them the way we were even just a week and a half ago or a week ago. Yeah. Um, there, as long as you have food stars, when you get that cold weather, we have the does coming out still and, and, you know, the bucks following behind them. So that's kind of, you know, it's a big bonus when you get that cold front, you know, during November this time of year. So, I mean, it's been a phenomenal rut so far. Heck yeah, man. Well, tell us about, you just put an arrow through one not too long ago. Let Tell us, you know, yeah, tell us the details. <laughs> well, we got down here to Illinois for my first time. And I've been down here, you know, of course, all summer planting and fertilizing and spraying and doing all that kind of stuff and getting food pots in. But I hadn't, I hadn't been back, you know, since I got, you know, my buddy, Josh, who lives down here and, and works for us and, you know, keeps up with this farm down here. So he sent me pictures of, and stuff. So he knew the food pots looked good. So it was awesome. Like came a week and a half ago down um, and basically just to get stands up. And so we just came down quick for just a couple of days just to move stands. You know, yeah. we're still learning it. This is only like the fourth year that we've had this, this farm here. So you're always learning stuff and putting more stands up. It's just depending on what the cameras are telling you and, and all that kind of stuff. So came down last week or, and just for two days and, you know, we just kind of, I didn't even hunt. It was so warm. You know, we had that warm spell there too. Mm-hmm. And so it really is beneficial sometimes, you know, when you come to something like this, you always, you're so excited to get into a stand, but a lot of times it, it's more beneficial to go drive around something with a spotting scope and look at some of your fields and then you cover several different fields and you know you you cover a lot more area and spot you know maybe a buck that you want to you'd like to go after that's exactly what happened we had it's in the same spot i had a food pot last year and we videoed this buck last year he had a really big side big mass but he had one screwed up side it was like a big spike that came out and some points off of it and we figured he was like four or five um but he had the the jacked up side you just don't know and he wasn't limping at all so a lot of times you're like is he if he's not limping, maybe he'll just damaged it in velvet or, you know, broke off crazy the year before to the chunk of his skull or something. Yeah. So you're just like, hey, let's just leave him. Maybe he'll come back normal this year. And he did. I could tell right away it was that buck. He's got such a unique face on him, big black nose and, you know, different than any other deer looks. I said, oh, man, he's he put his other side back up, you know, like we were expecting. And so there's a couple of big ones, him and a big eight point that, like, man, I'd shoot either one of those. So, um, you know, we spotted him a couple weeks ago. So when he came back, um, we had uh, that, we put a couple stands up to a week ago when we were here. And then when I got back, I sat there, um, one night and it was like, okay, there, the stand needs to be moved a little bit. And so we just popped another one up and basically it was more, more for wind than positioning of where the deer were coming. Yeah. And my first time in it, you know, I didn't think I was, I think I was out of the money because I had to, I had to sit the one for the wind, but they were all over right by the other stand. And it just, he was out, they were out chasing those like crazy. I mean, it was, it was just like a light switch, you know, like that last week they were, all the big bucks were out, older deer checking does and just out feeding and kind of just checking them out a little bit. Yeah. And when I got, when I got down here, it was the same way. And then basically the night shot mine the next day we had snow and cold and have a big weather change oh and that uh on that weather change it just bang the rut was on and bang they were into lockdown like immediately so it was like a nine day difference from just the day that i shot that once i have a couple of buddies with mine of mine down here too 
and I was saying, bang, the big ones were locked out. Mm. And of course, you're still seeing them here and there if you're on the right spot with the right doe. But, uh, you know, so yeah, but finally that buck was out chasing does around and I just didn't think I was going to get a shot at him because he was like right on him. You could grunt at him and stuff and they would look, but he was just too interested in the does. But then later, he kind of ran some does around this point and then later he came out and he just by himself and it just worked out perfectly because where we were there's a big hump in the field and he was kind of down in the dip and so i could still see him i could just see like his head and his and his and his horns over that dip but i knew i just turned my back to him and grunt loud but it was pretty windy so i had to grunt super loud to get him to look but for him he couldn't see over the over that dip you know or over the hill so yeah. I just knew it would be perfect because he, he can't see where it's coming from. He's going to come and look. And so as soon as he looked and started licking his nose, I was like, okay, we got him. He just came back on a rope right right to us. Heck yeah. So, yeah, it worked out great. You know, we we just hit it before they started, you know, does started coming. I think it was a lot of it was that snow and weather change that that came. that really flipped the switch on him. But, uh, you know, even when, it doesn't matter what point of the rut, they're still out there. So you're always going to have some good hunts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even when, even when they're locked down. Absolutely. Yeah. We last week I was out with my brother and I was filming him and uh he had we had this tall tie nine point that had come in. He was on lockdown with the doe and brother got an opportunity. I mean, unfortunately, I think he uh misranged him or so, something happened and he shot right over the back. Right over the back. <laughs> yeah. So. I had my my back it was it was funny because he he came he coming right in at me and i just like i'm not you know down in southern illinois the bodies aren't as big as they are up in in iowa right and they just like you know and you know that and they're a little different deer you know so when he came in i was like boy is he four is he five and he just comes right in <laughs> out on the field edge and i my stands in the timber probably you know 10 yards and he's standing right at 20 yards broadside and i was like still trying to figure out is he old enough is he am I sure on this? I always want to make sure that, you know, we give them, you know, enough years. Right. That's the most important thing. And he's huge. I mean, he had seven, over seven inch bases on him. And, oh. and, stuff. and then, so then he started walking in the woods behind us. And I was like, oh, now he's going to start getting downwind. You know, I still questioning it. And then it just, I don't know why I just kind of slipped my mind. I was like, wait, we saw him last year. I thought he was four or five last year, even. You know, we had that jacked up side. And I was like, Oh, he's plenty old. I just, you know, just, and so he was getting behind me like at 37. You see, he was getting nervous. He was starting to maybe catch our wind a little bit. And yeah. Shouting behind us at 37. But, you know, my, my buddy Clay and cameraman's like, just like, man, he, we could have had him perfect right at 20 yards. <laughs> and I was like, well, I want to make sure on, you know, that I feel 100% confident that's one that we should, that we should shoot. And then when you walk up to him, he's like, man, mm-hmm. you're, you're crazy for not shooting that when he was at 20. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I just never want to make a mistake on them. And, you know, because we're so, you know, you want to get into five or six and, and even older, you know, they're going to be, at, you know, get their best racks even, you know, well after five if you can let them go that long. But, uh, you know, they're just body size, just judging them here is a little different than Iowa. So you just got to get used to it a little bit. A little tricky, a little tricky. Yeah, yeah. So, man, so far, what we've talked in regard to the rut, you know, we've kind of talked pre-rut, we've had an episode on the peak rut, and for this episode, I, I don't want to get into post-rut yet, but I kind of want to talk to those listeners out there that, you know, this might help them gear up for that hunt, that their deer might still be rutting just a little bit, 
more or less on the backside of it. So I kind of want to pick your brain on how you strategically go after deer that, you know, they've already been through one or two lockdowns, you know, they've bred once or twice already. And, you know, they may start to think otherwise off, off the rut, but the, you know, if they have that one hot dough that comes by, it's kind of like a light bulb comes back on and all of a sudden, you know, they're back into it. So how do you approach, I guess, what you might call, some guys call it the waning rut, the secondary what rut. How do you kind of approach this phase of the hunt where we're on the backside? Yeah. And it's going to, I mean, that's, it's, we're coming up on that really. Cause we're like in lockdown right now, basically, you know, this, this time of year. And when we start getting to the back end of November, start getting the back end of the rut, that could be, it's just, to me, it's just as good as the beginning part. Right. And especially, especially this year, because you have to moon, right. I mean, it was like the 10th through the 15th. So you knew if it man, if you got cold weather and stuff, it's going to be unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But this year for people, if you haven't, you know, had any luck yet or anything else, and you're starting to think, man, you know, the rut's almost is ending. I missed my best part of it. The moon is going to be perfect again, right after Thanksgiving, the 25th through almost like almost the end of the month. So yeah. and that to me, that is like perfect timing. And that's why like Tiffany right now, I almost even hated to text her when I killed that one there. Cause she was, she couldn't come. Our kids both were <laughs> sick and you know, I had some buddies down here and she's like, nah, I just can't come down there with Cameron and Reagan with colds and, and stuff and give it to everybody. So so she stayed home and was hunting there and she hasn't shot one yet. She's had so many encounters and every time she goes up, she sees like a big one, but they're chasing does and wait, it's like 40 yards getting ready to shoot. They turn and run after a doe. Mm -hmm. She just had like the worst luck. And so she was starting to get, you know, like, gosh, you know, now they kind of get locked down. We're not seeing them and I haven't gotten one yet. So I was almost felt bad, you know, texting her and <laughs> saying, I got another one that's like, Oh boy, here <laughs> she's going to be like, but the thing is, I don't, I'm not worried about it one bit because we have, she has a couple of real good ones that she's hunting at home in Iowa. And when we start getting to right after Thanksgiving, if she, I mean, I, I have feel pretty confident she'll still catch one of these in between before that yeah. even next week. But if you get to the week after the moon is going to be perfect for that. You're, you're going to see them on their feet during daylight right after thanksgiving and especially if the weather's cold like this but normally our strategy even if it's not i mean this year's exceptional because we had cold weather and good moon for early you know the pre-rut and kind of getting towards the post-rut you know portion of it you're gonna have perfect conditions for it so you knew it was gonna be good but like for us for a lot of people Maybe they don't have like food plots and stuff like a lot of us do, but a lot of people do. I mean, let's face that food plot market and everybody knows now a lot of people have, you know, planted food plots in their brassica fields and everything else. And like on the backside of the rut, those bucks are basically, you're hunting them just like you are in the pre-rut. You're just finding where are the does at and that's, and they're going to be at your prime food source. So that's where you can see the bucks too. And that's, that's like our, our best time. If you don't get them like early on, like in the, you know, in the, in the peak part of that, right. Or, you know, pre-rut portion, you're going to get them at the, after it, even if they're locked down, you're, they're going to be coming to food and just checking for does and they're coming with them basically to eat, but then they're also checking all those last does. So the biggest, the, it's, it's just like your pre-rut. You just find your congregation of does and that's where you're going to find bucks you know before mm -hmm. the rut and it's the same thing on the back side like okay. for me that like, like right now is the toughest time but for us we just 
basically just put a bunch of time in there. And a lot of those, you know, people think that, oh, you know, your bucks can be, and they can be, they can be, you know, two miles away or whatever. But you find most of the time, 90% of the time, the bucks will still be getting the does in their prime area. You know, as the buck gets older, like for us, I like get five years old and six years old, they rarely leave an 80 acre piece. So even if you have a small track of land, if you got a buck that's been there all summer, that's likely going to be his home core area. And he's still going to spend 90% of the, of the time on that, even during the rut, mm-hmm. especially if you have does. Yeah. Like we were just, I just filmed one last night with my buddy, big George was hunting and he came right underneath us. And we watched him. I hunted there with John the two days before. And he was with a doe right there, a little tiny doe. And it was like, you know, right at the beginning of it, when they were just starting to get locked down, he was breeding this little tiny doe. And he's like, man, it's like a tiniest doe. And I said, yeah, I mean, sometimes they come in early as well. But then we went back like three days later, like last night, and he had a great big doe. And he was there just tending her right. And I filmed him going right under our stand. He's a beast of a buck. You know, he's you know, middle 60s for sure. But it was like, ah, oh, let's just leave him another year. Yeah. Anyway, but see, you can see that he had two different does, but he's still in the exact same spot. Because there's even that was his home core area. We've seen him there plenty of times, but there are all those does have their core areas too. So as long as you have a lot of does, they'll basically move from one doe to the next that are still right where they feel comfortable in their home core area. Mm-hmm. And so many times when you see those fawns out there, like you, like you get in the peak of the rut and you're just fawns coming out to your food, <laughs> food sources or food plots, and you're like, yeah, there's just fawns out here. The does are there. Those those fawns never go too far from their mom. You know that they're they're still close by. They're just sitting in the woods someplace. If you watch a buck on a doe, they just stand there and stare at them, you know, and they they hardly look at anything else other than if there's some other bucks there. But they're not leaving that far. So so many times, like. You know, now we're just putting our stands in the timber and those big blocks of timber near these food sources. And because that's normally where they are, mm-hmm. they're normally in that timber. And if you can just be lucky enough to get, you know, one of those does, you know, to walk by you in the morning, um, you know, you'd be in the money. And like this morning, my buddy Tom's first day of the gun season here in, in Illinois, and there's a buck that we had on early season, but hadn't had a picture of him over, over a week now or 10 days. And, and then just yesterday, morning i had a picture of him in the morning in this food plot with a doe and so he went out there the same spot this morning that we didn't we didn't it was two days ago and then yesterday we didn't have any pictures of him again but i was like hey this is the coldest it's gonna be the coldest day of the month basically today's gonna be you know as cold as it gets it's gonna just be warming up a little bit from here but i said this is probably a good chance for that doe goes out to feed in the morning he'll just be following her and that's exactly what happened at the exact same time literally two days ago 7 seven thirty. that bug i got a picture of him with the doe out on the out on this out on the food plot and this morning at seven twenty-five, i got the text that he just shot him at the exact same time exact same everything but you know sometimes you just get lucky he's got to find you know where those does are but they're not that far i mean most of the time you think i mean it can be like when i had my farm in kansas and stuff there's a lot less deer and they would travel a long distance along the those ditches and creek bottoms i mean i remember shooting one eight miles from where i i saw him had a bunch of photos and stuff in the summer wow but yeah but like in iowa and illinois here we got lots of deer lots of does so those bucks it's like 
even if a doe is hot with another buck, as soon as they're done with one, if they're the king, they just bump them off. But they really don't normally go that far. Um, maybe at the end of the month is like when you might see them traveling a little farther when all the does right in their little home mm-hmm. core area have all been bred. Now they might start wandering out. You start catching them, you know, out far. There may be a chance to lose them, but they're really not. They're even though you know you don't know. You always like I would say they could be two miles away, which they could be, but likely they're still pretty close right there. And if they're not coming out of the field, you just got to get in the timber and spend the day in there. And uh, that's the way we normally kill them in lockdown period is just getting in their home core area anyway, just getting in the timber and sitting all day. And most of our action this last week, most of the action has been between like 9 a.m. and, and 2 p.m. So a lot of those times people are sitting back eating lunch. That's when that when when most of that deer action had been taking place they were getting pictures of stuff in the middle of the day here the last week okay okay so you know you answered the question i had was if you're doing all day sits right now and i know last week we kind of talked you know you're finding those does and you're getting in on that bedding area early in the morning and then you know you kind of talked about how you're sitting there till one maybe two o'clock in the afternoon and then you're going to switch stands to an area that might be a little bit closer to food are you still kind of doing that same strategy no like right now we're just staying in the in the timber like for the whole day because they're not coming out most of the time even the bucks don't want them out in the fields with them but the does don't either they've just been tired of being chased and they get someplace like in the timber someplace that you know they got a buck guarding them and they're just okay it's the one time okay i don't have to run i don't have 20 little bucks chasing me all over the place. You got <laughs> one buck that's moving everything off and you just watch them doing that. And you know, the place that I've filmed the big one yesterday is a little bit different because there's a pond there and, and all the timber, but then we have this little strip of, it was in CRP grass and then it's timber again. And then it goes out to a big bean field. So we just took that little piece of CRP out and it's in wheat and clover. Now it's going to be clover for next year. But see there, we could see him behind the pond right away as soon as we got up in the stand. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, he came right up to the pond. They drank there and came up, and that, that doe would go feed in that little clover field. And, uh, you know, he just followed her right up there. And he did the other day, too. He followed up and bred that little doe right in the little clover field. And last night, he had a great big doe. They came up and ate that a little bit and just went right back down into the woods there. So I think they'll, they'll still come and eat someplace, but they just don't want to get out in the bigger fields where there's lots of deer that can find them and see them and and you know they just don't want any competition okay so but yeah we're mostly just in the timber like all day and that's where we're seeing most of them all right all right so your advice for the listeners out there going out to the stand this weekend then is get in that timber and find the doe or find the does and then get in timber would you say Yeah, yeah if you know where your does are um you know bedding and like for us, we have some bigger food plots and there's just be the timber in between food plots. Like early on, like we have a big chunk of timber where my buddy Tom shot the buck this morning. And that's a big, we have a big food pot cornfield right there that he shot it on. And then you just go to the other side of that block of timber. The block of timber is probably maybe a 30, 40 acre chunk of timber. Mm-hmm. And then we have a big brassica field. It's like a couple of little, like a little brassica field and some other bigger ones. But you get these bucks on both sides of them. So you know that they're, that's basically the timber that they're spending most of the time in. And there's obviously, there's a lot, tons of does and, and stuff, you know, using that timber too. But those are the pieces of timber that we, 
would get in there and just, you know, get a stand in the middle. And you really don't really care about which way the wind is. There's always going to be a downwind side. But so we just, you just hope for those kind of calm, high pressure days where your sense just going straight up without a ton of wind. But we always put them up on like in the, in the timber on the tops of the ridges. So, you know, if they're coming, you know, they're going be going over the top of them when they're down the bottom of the ridge and they start getting close to you as they're coming up. But yeah, just sitting there all day and it's been, it's been so much fun. I mean, I've been, actually, since I shot mine, like my first or second day here, and my buddy John Hoyer who's a pro fisherman is down here. I've been sitting with him. And so we've been grunting bucks in, rattling bucks in all day long. I mean, we're seeing, uh, you know, 10 to 12 different bucks Jeez. every, set, every, every set. And unfortunately for him, we haven't had any of, any of the, any of the mature ones, mm-hmm. but we're seeing does coming through with bucks that, you know, we think now they're a little too young, might be four year olds or whatever, but running, but he's just having a ball because last year was this, just got him into bow hunting last year. He shot his first doe and his first buck last year, brought him out elk hunting, he shot his first elk this year. So he's just like a kid in a candy store sitting out there, you know, he'd never seen the only rattling or grunting or any of that. So these deer are just putting on a show for him. You're going to see him breeding does, you know, grunting and chasing and stuff. So we just had a ball, but you could sit there all day long. I mean, we just, we've been out there basically almost all day and just action all day. I mean, you have like, an, you might have 40 minute hour lulls here and there and you start, might get to an hour and a half. You haven't seen anything, crack the antlers together and bang, he'll come some little bucks come running in and then does come in to check it. And no. those does, other bucks would be behind I me. Mean, we just kind of get the whole thing scrambled up again. God. And we've had a ball. Man, that sounds like a blast. Well, man, any parting advice? I know we're running out of time here. Any any final little golden nuggets you want to share with the listeners just in regard to this waning rut phase, if you will? I'd say, you know, so much of it is we have the weather. We have cold weather. And it's basically to be out there. But also, you know, look at your, like, the moon guides and your your moon positions, like, we like same way we do for musky fishing with like my buddy John. I mean, it's crazy uh, when we go out musky fishing on how how many follows you'll get all day long. We kind of get to know where those fish are at, and then when it gets to the the major in the moon phase, you know, basically overhead or underfoot, and then bam, those muskies will hit like on you. The water the lure hits the water and your third crank, and they they've smashed it already. Yeah, and it's kind of that same way. It's like that's why I think this last week most of our action has been midday because that moon is overhead or underfoot, um, you know, in, in midday. So it's not like your perfect moon when it ends up like on the early part, like when you would normally think of deer movement or late, it's in the midday. So that's at least regular movement, but when it's cold and during the rut here, that's why we're seeing so many of them during the day. So really look at the lunar tables and, and you can, you can see it like for us when we have so many cameras out, you have, about 200 style cameras out now um you can just see it when it comes you look around that uh, majors and the minors that bang you'll see how how the cameras just light up right in that hour before an hour after and then it kind of shuts off like these last few days when people have said it's been slow it's like yeah look at my cameras mornings and evenings have been fairly slow but the midday I mean they're way more active than they normally are mm. and we're seeing the same thing in the woods it's like we were talking about it. It's like, why are we getting up at four in the morning? We should just go out at nine. We don't hardly <laughs> see anything until nine, nine until two has been the, where we've been seeing the most action. So take, pay attention to the 
the lunar tables and look when it's overhead and underfoot. And those are the times you want to be out there. You're going to see increased action. So a lot of times you're just used to going out in the mornings and the evenings, and that's the best. You know, there's times during the rut, especially, um, you know, when you can catch bucks trees at any time. But if that moon is, if you're hitting the majors or the minors, like in the middle of the day, that's you'll still get does and buck getting up and they just they may not be out in the fields and stuff but they may just get up and feed around on acorns or, or browse in the timber but that's the time that you're going to see a lot of action in the middle of the day love it love it man well lee man really appreciate you coming on here talking rut hunting strategies and just talking deer hunting man always enjoy it yeah me too will hey man we'll see you next week for the last part of this rut series all right thanks talk to you then buddy all right, y'all, there you go. Hopefully, y'all will be able to take some of these little nuggets and pick up on something that Lee spoke about today. Apply it to what you're doing if you haven't had a big buck yet or if you're struggling a little bit. Just remember, find the does and get in the timber and get in the stand all day. If you do one of those three things or if you do all three of those things, then your chances of killing your target buck or a big buck are probably going to be more significant. So, Thanks again, y'all, for tuning in to the Hunt Stand Podcast on this episode of Field Note Fridays powered by Yamaha. Next week will be the end to our November rut series with Lee. It's Thanksgiving, and so we'll be coming to y'all on Black Friday with a little surprise. You know, I think there's something that y'all are not going to want to miss out on. So again, y'all, thank you for tuning in to the Hunt Stand Podcast, and we'll see you next week.